Good to see you all. Yay. Thank you, worship team. Really appreciate that. And I want to watch, uh, welcome everyone watching online. And by everyone, I mean everyone. I always say that every Sunday, you know, want to welcome everybody watching online. Well, today I literally mean everyone watching online. Uh, you know, I always like to say, consider this a, a living room, and you've been invited to a family reunion. Well, uh, today many of you are literally in your living room, and so I welcome you to a family reunion. I love you, and I'm praying for you, and with God's help, we're going to get through this uh, together. And I want to thank you for your willingness uh, to do this. Really just appreciate so much, so grateful for your flexibility. And you know, as we've been wrestling as the leadership of the church, you know, what to do this week, and, and you always tend to kind of look over your shoulder a little bit and say, did you right, make the right decision? Well, just before I came in here, I got a wonderful email that I really considered uh, a gift from God. And I, I want to thank you uh, for your support for us doing this in a virtual online way. And it was an email uh, that I just got. I, I guess they sent it at midnight last night, but I just read it a few minutes ago. And it's from uh, Dr. Edward Blues. And he is a doctor within our church family. And here's what he wrote, and I want to use it as a thank you to you as well. He said, hi, Pastor Glenn. I just want to say thank you for the decision to hold church virtually. I'm running the Kaiser San Bernardino response to COVID-19. Somebody from our church family is running through Kaiser, uh, which is you know, huge in San Bernardino County, and that's the biggest county in the nation. I think it's the biggest county in the world. I think it's like two and a half Indianas can fit into San Bernardino County. So somebody from our church is running the coronavirus uh, response uh, of, for that huge area, maybe a bigger area than any other area uh, in the world. And as a result, I'm acutely aware of the potential impact the pandemic may have on our medical system, as well as our community. It's an interesting and challenging time to be an infectious disease specialist and infection control officer, to say the least. We're constantly making difficult decisions in the healthcare system right now, given the evolving dynamics of the situation. I know it was a hard decision to convert to a virtual service for the weekend, but I wanted to let you know that I implicitly support your decision. It was the right choice without any question in my, my mind. I want to make sure you knew that. And I said as much to Pastor Lisa on Friday night. Our kids live down the street from each other and frequently play together. I do have a couple of asks. Uh, please be praying for the nurses, respiratory therapists, physicians, pharmacists, receptionists, housekeeping staff, and medical assistants. I'm sure I left out a lot of other healthcare worker roles who constitute the uh, healthcare worker team. These are the frontline folks, the people who heroically step up and care for patients regardless of the risk. I'm so proud of their response so far, but I do ask that we pray for God's protection over them. Additionally, the folks who are making hard, sometimes seemingly impossible decisions need prayer. We need God's wisdom and guidance during this time. I'm so grateful to have found Purpose Church. Amber and I have spent most of our married life looking for a church. What we found at Purpose wasn't a church, but a home. Uh, Dr. Edward Blues, a medical doctor and in charge of infectious disease control uh, for Kaiser for San Bernardino County. Now today I'm going to start a new series, and I think it's going to be a three-part series through the end of March called Faith Over Fear, Faith Over Fear. And the title of today's message is How to Respond to a Crisis. 
And our theme verse is Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do you feel like your world has been shaken uh, here in the last uh, couple of weeks, or especially this week? We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, there's a story that I run to in times of crisis. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it's the example of a man by the name of Elijah. Uh, He was a prophet in Israel around 800 B.C., so we're talking about 2,800 years ago. Everything is going tremendously for Elijah. Uh, he, he wins this showdown, this epic showdown with the false prophets in Israel at a place called Mount Carmel. He is on top of the world. Everything is going his way. It kind of reminds me of America just 32 days ago. Can you believe it? It was just 32 days ago. The economy was on fire. The unemployment rate was the lowest in 51 years and the stock market closed at a record 29,551. It was on the verge of breaking 30,000. I remember that day thinking to myself, oh my goodness, it's gonna break 30,000. And then came the coronavirus. And we see this in Elijah's life. He is uh, absolutely at the peak of his career and then he gets a death threat from the queen. That'll ruin your day every, every time. Get a death threat from the queen. So we're going to look at eight ways to respond to a crisis. Four of them are unhealthy and four of them are are healthy. So first, let's look at four unhealthy but very, very common reactions to a crisis. Uh, The first is anxiety and worry. Has there been a bit of that going on uh, recently? Anxiety and worship and worry, and we see that uh, with Elijah. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid. Now when you look at the context of Elijah's life, he shouldn't have been afraid. It was actually kind of silly for him to be afraid. When you look over his life up until this time, time and time again, God had taken care of him. God had come through for him again and again. It doesn't make sense for him to doubt God now. But you know, the same thing is true for us. How many times has God been faithful for you in the past in your life? How many times has he been faithful to us as a nation? Think of 9-11. I've been thinking about that this week in preparation for this message and the way that rocked our nation. Think of Uh, 2008 and the big economic collapse in 2008, just 12 years ago. Uh, Think of Y2K. (laughs) That that didn't turn out too bad, Y2K. Let's pray that this uh, epidemic is more like Y2K and less like 9-11 or 2008. Uh, Pastor Eric uh, sent me this quote from one of the doctors in the Wuhan uh, quarantine. My, my assistant, Tina, uh, grew up in Hong Kong, so I was actually asking her to help me with that pronunciation. Wuhan, did I do that okay, Tina, wherever you are? Wuhan, the Wuhan quarantine ward in China. This is, this is ground zero. This is ground zero for the whole epidemic. This is where it started. And these doctors and nurses are just heroically dealing with uh, very, very difficult circumstances right there at the epicenter where it all started. Uh, 
And here's what one of the doctors said. The Pandora's box has been opened, unleashing the disaster, fear, and illness. But there could be one thing still left in that box. That's hope. As long as hope is there, we shall overcome. Uh, my wife, uh, Kimberly, uh, sent me uh, th this quote uh, from Kayla Colbin. She said, I think the impulse for many people is to look at things closing or events canceling right now as a sign of doom. But for the most part, I think it's cause for optimism. Someone in charge of something is taking this seriously and doing what they can to limit interactions. And so we can find hope uh, in, in the middle of this storm that we find ourselves in. And we don't need to give in to fear, don't need to give in to anxiety and worry. We can conquer that and replace it uh, with faith. And then a second unhealthy response is making rash and unhealthy decisions. Rash and unhealthy decisions, like beating up the person in Costco that's going for the same roll of toilet paper uh, that you are. Uh, making rash and unhealthy decisions. Elijah does this as well. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Now, he disconnected from somebody that could have been an encouragement to him. He isolated himself. Now, there's a place for practicing social distancing. I, I'd never knew, known that phrase until just a few days ago. Social distancing. And there's a, certainly a place for that. But not disconnecting from people. Social distancing, but not, not disconnecting from other people. And that's what he does here. So while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, now when we're all by ourselves, when we're isolated, our mind starts thinking crazy thoughts. Uh, we begin to get paranoid. We begin to uh, think things are even worse than they are. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And so he says, uh, he goes a day's journey and goes all by himself, and he says, you know, here I am. I think that it's uh, uh, so bad that I just want to uh, die. And then the third one is uh, blaming other people, blaming other people. Uh, in verse 9, uh, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I, I, I've done everything right. Everybody else has done everything wrong, but I have done everything right. My goodness, is there a lot of blaming going on today? And it's an unhealthy response to a crisis. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, on the other hand, those, those people over there, they have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And so another unhealthy response is to blame other people. Now, there's certainly, when this crisis is over, there'll, there'll be a, a review as to how we could have done things better or what we could have done differently. Certainly, there is a place for that. Uh, but for right now, it's probably an unhealthy response to spend too much time blaming each other. We need to hold hands, lock arms, and go through this together. Uh, not blaming other people. And then number four, we see that he completely uh, loses all perspective on things. Completely losing all perspective. He says, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Basically, this is his way of saying, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Uh, uh, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Now, let me ask you a question. What is your crisis in your life today. Now, the national and the world crisis is coronavirus, 
But what is your personal crisis? You know what I found in my life? I can handle one crisis at a time, but it's when there's a bunch of them at the same time. That's when it's really hard. I, I find that I usually have strength for one. Don't you wish life went like this? That you have a crisis, and then you kind of rest up from it for five years, and then another crisis, and then another five years. No, 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 no. It's the third punch that gets you. You get punched, and then something else happens, then something else happens, and maybe you were already going through some personal crisis before coronavirus, and now this thing gets added on top of that, and we begin to feel, um, begin to feel over, over, overwhelmed. Uh, I saved this from... Um, uh, this uh, from Max Licato, just a great writer, and I saved this from after the crash uh, in, in 2008, from the economic collapse of 2008, and it's called Finding Christ in the Crisis, and the title of this thing that he wrote, this piece, was We're Listening, Lord, You Have Our Attention. We're Listening, Lord, You Have Our Attention. Our friends lost their house. The co-worker lost her job. The couple next door lost their retirement. It seems that everyone is losing their footing. This scares us, this bailout with billions of dollars, these rumblings of depression, these headlines, ominous, thunderous, going broke, going down, going under. What's next? What is next? We're listening and we're admitting that you were right. You told us this would happen. You shot straight about loving stuff and worshiping money. Greed will break your heart, you warned. Money will love you and leave you. Don't put your hope in riches that are so uncertain. You were right. Money is a fickle lover, and we just got dumped. We were wrong to spend what we didn't have. Wrong to neglect prayer. Wrong to ignore the poor. Wrong to think we ever earned a dime. We didn't. You gave it to us. And now tell us, Father, are you taking it? We're listening and we're praying. Could you make something good out of this mess? Of course you can. You always have. You led slaves out of slavery, built temples out of ruins, turned stormy waves into a glassy pond, and water into sweet wine. This disorder awaits your order, and so do we. Through Christ, amen. Uh, I'm praying that through this time right now, as hard as it is, that we'll be able to still hear the gentle whisper of God. He's calling us. Can you hear him? Through sometimes even world events like this, he's calling our name. Um, one of the things that has been a result of this is things have slowed down. We've been so busy. We've just been sprinting from one thing to another, and all of a sudden, it's slowed down. And could this be that God is, and I'm not saying he created this or sent this. Uh, I believe that uh, there's evil in the world, um, and, and this is not God doesn't send evil, but he can use bad stuff when it happens. Uh, he didn't create the bad stuff. There was no coronavirus in the Garden of Eden. But once it happens in our world that we've built because of our uh, disobedience to God, once it happens, he can use it for his purposes. And he's using it to get our attention and to slow us down, and to get us quiet so we can hear his still, small voice. And so let's talk about four healthy strategies for dealing with a time of crisis. First of all, take care of your physical needs, how practical the Bible is. Uh, it says in verse 5, uh, Then he, Elijah, lay down under the bush 
and fell asleep. Man, sometimes the, the answer to every crisis is to go take a nap. My, I've said many times that my mother, her solution to everything in life was go take a nap. I'd have a hard day at school, go take a nap. I'd have a fight with one of my sisters, go take a nap. I think my mother, if she was at an event where world leaders were trying to make world peace, she'd say, all of you just need to go and take a nap, all of you men and women, and then come back later on. And so he fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, now this is my favorite command in all the Bible. Get up and eat, there it is. It's a command in Scripture. I've obeyed that command so well. I, there's a lot of commands that I, don't, that I don't obey very well. This, this is one that I've done a great job on, as you can see. Uh, verse 6, he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Eat, take a nap, eat again. Yes, I love the Bible. All right. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and, and spent the night. Um, it's so important that during an epidemic like this that you take care of your physical needs. And we've read many of these on the news, haven't we? Uh, drink lots of fluids, uh, get sleep, eat healthy, Take your medications. Make sure if you have meds in your life, keep up on those medications. And of course, we've heard many times, wash your hands and use hand sanitizer. Use hand sanitizer just like this. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. <laughs> that is not a good message. People come in on Sunday, how you doing? Nice to see y'all. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. You're going to love it here. We just love people. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. We don't care. We don't judge you. We just love. You sit back and whatever questions you have, you let us know. We'll let you know whatever we can do for you, okay? Y'all newly married? You got four kids? Four kids. That is amazing. God love. We love kids here. Kids are like a little gift from God is what they are. They are just wonderful little creatures that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where y'all from? Arkansas? Okay. I, I thought we needed a little humor in the middle of all of uh, this. Uh, my apologies to any of you from Arkansas. I would have used Virginia if I could have uh, found it. Uh, you know, I have a good hand sanitizer story. I was preaching at First Baptist Church in Big Bear a few years ago, and they had a Saturday night service and Sunday morning services, and they had a tradition at that church that as soon as the pastor finished preaching during the closing, closing benediction, uh, he or she would walk right down the middle aisle and then shake hands with everybody as they came out, kind of the old-fashioned uh, line there where people would all come out and shake hands with the pastor, and so uh, he, he was going to stand there and, and shake all the hands, and so as I walked out, I thought it was so nice that one of the ushers very graciously handed me a water bottle, and so I grabbed it, and I began to squirt water, what I thought was water, into my mouth, and realized it was hand sanitizer. It was not, it was not water. The look of horror on his face as I grabbed the hand sanitizer from his from his hands and began to squirt it in my mouth. And then I'm out there and people are coming out to greet the pastor. And I'm like, ah, you know, just this terrible, terrible taste in my mouth. Uh, now number two, reconnect with the presence of God. Now we're getting down to a couple that I think are 
real important things. Reconnect with the presence of God. I believe that God uses nature, his creation, world events uh, to get our attention. And that's what he does with Elijah here. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. There was a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the, boy, those are three things that we have a lot of times, right? Hurricanes, tornadoes, wind, earthquakes we know about here in California, and now a fire. We know about those in California as well. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. God still uses his creation to get our attention today. God still uses what we see in all that he's made to get our attention today. I was looking at these the other day, some pictures from the Hubble telescope, and I just, I just love these pictures. Uh, let me give a, share some of them with you. Number one, this is our Milky Way galaxy. This is where we live. Number two, here's the surface of our sun. Number three, here's what's called the Vela Pulsar. Uh, next one is the Helix Nebula. Um, the next one here is called the Hourglass Nebula. This next one is so beautiful, the Lagoon Nebula. And then the spiral galaxy. I, I get a kick out of this next one. It's called the Sombrero Galaxy, and we can figure out why that is. The Ant Nebula, because it looks like an ant. Uh, isn't that beautiful? The Ant Nebula. Cat's Eye Nebula. And then the Whirlpool Galaxy is about 31 million light years away. And if you zoom into the center of it, there, a thousand light years across, you find this. Maybe God has been waiting all this time just for us to find that. Maybe it's just coincidental. But maybe, just maybe, God, when he's creating the universe, just thought he'd put his thumbprint right there and, and place that there for us to find. Maybe God is whispering to you today. He wants you to reconnect with him. Um, today is my spiritual birthday. 56 years ago today, my dad led me to Christ, knelt next to his, his bed there in his bedroom, and, and received Christ at the age of seven. And I was looking in my library yesterday, and I found the beat-up old Bible I had as a kid. And, and I looked at the inscription that my dad had written me, he had me write, uh, he put his signature there at the top, and then he had me write this, I was saved on Sunday night, March 15th, 1964, in my daddy's bedroom, uh, 56 years ago tonight. And then my dad had me write in here, uh, 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. And here's what he had me write in there. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son, that's Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. We've still got a little bit more that I want to share after this, but I just want to pause for a moment and, and, and just say, if you've never taken that step, and, and maybe God, uh, through whatever is going on in your life right now, has kind of gotten your attention, and you hear his gentle whisper, something right now you're, you're sensing, you're hearing his gentle whisper, and, and it's as simple as three words that your mother taught you. Uh, sorry, thank you, and please. Your mother probably gave them to you in a different order. She probably taught you to say, please, thank you, and then sorry. But I'm going to reverse the order a little bit. Sorry, thank you, and please. First of all, sorry. You go to God and you say, God, I'm sorry. I've said things I shouldn't say. I've done things, thought things I shouldn't have. There's people I should have loved that I have done such a terrible job of loving. God, I'm sorry for my sin and the wrongdoing in my life. And then the second one is thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross, taking my place. It was me that should have died on that cross, but you died instead of me. Thank you so much for doing that. And then thirdly, please, please, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my wrongdoing and my sins. Be my savior. Uh, please do that. Please be my Lord, my leader, my king. I've got a throne on my heart. Would you come and sit on that throne uh, please uh, be my Lord and my leader. Show me. I want to follow in your footsteps. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Would you pray silently wherever you are right now as, as I pray this out loud? Dear, dear God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry so much for ways that I failed you and the way I've failed other people and how I haven't loved as I should love. But thank you that there's a, still a way for me to connect or reconnect with God in spite of the wrong that I've done. And it's through Jesus. Jesus, when he died on the cross, that cross became like a bridge over the Grand Canyon that separated. Uh, talk about social distancing, spiritual distancing, distancing happened between God and me because of what I've done that's uh, displeased you or hurt other people. But thank you that Jesus made a way for me to connect and to, and to come back to you. Maybe I've been following you in years past as a child, as a young adult, but man, you've kind of gotten my attention this week, Lord, and I want to reconnect with you. Uh, so thank you for providing a way for me to do that. And then please come into my life, be my Savior, forgive me for all of my wrongdoing, and lead me from this time forward in my life. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say silently within your heart, wherever you are right now, or if you want to say it out loud, say it out loud, amen. Now, the third one that I want to talk about is realize that God is still fulfilling his purpose. Even in the middle of the coronavirus, God is still up to something good. Never, always be suspicious that God is up to something good. And even in the midst of this, he didn't create the tragedy, but he's able to use crises in order to work out his, his purposes. And we see that with Elijah's life. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. And then he had another assignment, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, a king over Israel. And he had another assignment, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Mihalah, to succeed you 
as, uh, as, as prophet. And so he had these assignments for him. And then he goes on and says in verse 18, yet I resume. You think you're all by yourself. Do you think you're all alone out there? You're not alone. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. That was the false idol that they used to worship back in that time. They turned their backs on God and, and worshiped this idol of Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So God's purpose continues even during times of crisis. Now, you all maybe have heard me share from this book before. I absolutely love um, this book. It's called The Triumph of Christianity, written by Rodney Stark. He's a prominent sociologist and historian who did a study of the early church. And you know, one of the miracles of history, one of the mysteries of history that historians can't wrap their minds around is how in the world did this little group of discouraged uh, 11 people uh, in the aftermath of Jesus' resurrection, how did they, not too long after that, conquer the Roman Empire? It's just one of the mysteries, one of the miracles of history. And so we went down and began to see what were some of the things that happened. And what was so interesting is one of the things that God used to have the church just explode in the Roman Empire were epidemics. And when they would, would come, I mean, the, the Christians were always known for taking care of the most vulnerable. That's what they were always known for. But when an epidemic would come, they would jump into action. They, they would put it on hyperspeed at that side, hyperdrive. They, they would push it like, kind of like on steroids when an epidemic would come. They would be who they normally are, but just even more. And so they were the ones, all the others would kind of run for the hills, particularly uh, the priests of the temples like to Zeus and Diana and Mercury and, and all these others, all those priests, they ran uh, to get out of town because they didn't want to get infected. But the Christians would stay and they would minister to the needs of people. So when the epidemic passed, everybody remembered that and it drew them to Christ, and the church just like exploded just in an incredible way over that time. It's one of the reasons they eventually conquered the Roman Empire from within uh, with love, not with weapons or armies, but with love. And Rodney Stark uh, writes a few things about this. He says, in the midst of the squalor, misery, illness, and anonymity of ancient cities, Christianity provided an island of mercy and security. Foremost was the Christian duty to alleviate suffering. It started with Jesus. They remembered what Jesus had said. He said, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I was your elderly neighbor who needed groceries brought by. Uh, I, I was uh, somebody in your life that was going through real discouragement, and I reached out to them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. In the year 165, during the reign of Marcus Aurelius, and that's the emperor in the movie Gladiator. If you remember the movie Gladiator, by the way, the greatest movie ever made. Uh, the emperor in that was Marcus Aurelius. A devastating epidemic swept through the Roman Empire during his reign. Some medical historians suspect that this was the first appearance of smallpox in the West. And so it came sweeping through. But as William H. McNeil pointed out in his celebrated book, Plagues and Peoples, under the circumstances prevailing in this era, even, quote, quite elementary nursing will greatly reduce mortality. Simple provision of food and water, for instance, will allow persons who are temporarily too weak 
to cope for themselves to recover instead of perishing miserably. It is entirely plausible that Christian nursing, that is just simply Christians, and they weren't formally trained nurses, but it just means they looked around them in their circumstances and said, how can I help take care of people that, are, that, are, that need help? How, how can I do this? During the epidemic, how can I look around and be creative and meet the needs of the people around me? It is entirely plausible that Christians would have reduced mortality by as much as two-thirds. Think about that. The mortality rate was reduced two-thirds just simply by people taking care of each other uh, during that epidemic. And then Rodney Stark uh, finishes off. He said, what went on during the epidemic was only an intensification of what went on every day among Christians because theirs were communities of mercy and help. That's what I'm praying for us, for, for me, for you. Let's be a community of mercy and help. Now, taking care of, of, of our friends and, and family within Purpose Church, but looking outside. Uh, the church is not a building. We're not limited because we're not meeting in this building right now. We are out. It's like the salt has got now the salt shaker. Let's go to it. And let's just pray and, and be creative in how we reach out and serve the people around us uh, during this pandemic, just like the early uh, Christians. Now, I'm not saying be reckless. I'm not saying put yourself or your family in jeopardy. Let's not be reckless, but let's be fearless. Maybe not reckless, but let's be fearless. Let's not be self-centered during this time, but let's be selfless during this time. Fearless and selfless. Not reckless, but fearless and selfless. Be creative. Um, just yesterday, um, we happened to have some extra toilet paper. And so we, we encountered somebody who hadn't been able to find any toilet paper. So we shared our toilet paper, you know? It was a wonderful thing. Just $20 a roll is all we charged for the people. But uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, we gave it to them. But think of creative ways that we can reach out during this time. Uh, just like uh, Pastor Tamiko was sharing earlier um, some of uh, Pastor Shams' ideas. Uh, your leadership here at Purpose Church, we are right now brainstorming, and we're going to do everything we can to provide you with certain opportunities uh, to serve the people around us during this crisis. Uh, another way is by reaching out to people that, that may be interested in spiritual things because of the events going on. Uh, do you know in 1949, Christians in China were banned from meeting together. They, they, just like this week, you know, the, we, we, they couldn't meet in buildings. Um, at that time, there were half a million Christians in China. 500,000 Christians in China in 1949. Uh, China is officially an atheist country, but in the year 2030, just 10 years from now, there will be not 500,000, not half a million, but 247 million Christians. And they will now have the largest number of Christians of any nation in the world. And they did all that without a building. Now, we're hoping that's not going to last decades like it did for them. It may just be a few Sundays. But, you know, this is an opportunity for us. Next Sunday, we're also going to be meeting online, just like this. We're going to do that next Sunday as well. And so I would encourage you to seize the opportunity. 
uh, talk to a friend and give them the link and, and tell them about going to our website and, and watching the message next Sunday online or this message that'll be archived after this. Have them go and check out that message from today or maybe to join us uh, next Sunday. Maybe invite people over to your house and watch it together as I continue our series, Faith Over Fear. This could be our greatest moment. This could be our, our finest hour. This could be our moment, just like it was for the early church during those epidemics, just like it was for the church of China when they went through um, persecution. Uh, this, this could be a moment of, of opportunity. The persecution of the church in China ended up being their finest hour. The epidemics in the Roman Empire ended up being the early church's finest hour. And I believe that the coronavirus pandemic could end up being our finest hour. Let's not be reckless, but let's be fearless. Let's replace fear with faith, and let's go out there, and let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Realize that God is still fulfilling his purpose even during this time. And then number four, connect with other followers of Jesus. It says in verse 19, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, and skipping down to verse 21, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. They connected with each other, and so they got their encouragement back because they were connecting with other followers of God. And we need to do the same thing. Purpose Church is not a building. Uh, we are the church. You are the church. Just because we have decreased physical contact, let's increase our relational contact, our spiritual contact with each other. Uh, we can use technology at times like this, so we will be sending you things uh, throughout the week. So check the website and social media for updates as we come up with ideas that we can stay connected and we can serve during this time. Our children's ministry, our student ministries, our recovery ministries, and our group's ministry will all be providing ways to stay connected. So keep checking the website, check social media, and we'll keep you up to date on that. If you don't have anything uh, like that, please let us know so we can help you uh, find uh, those connections. And I actually believe that this can be our finest hour. This can be the time when we connect more deeply with each other, even though we're apart physically. This can be the time when we connect more with God, when we use this slowing down time. I mean, what do you do when the NBA is not playing? When there's no NCAA March Madness, uh, what do you do when there's no NHL? You know, and, and it slows us down. Uh, and after a while, watching Netflix is going to get old. And so use this time to connect with God more deeply. And then most importantly, use this time. Let's use this time to serve the people around us, to share Jesus with the people around us. Invite them to join us next Sunday or to watch this online after it gets archived after this morning. And let's pray that by the grace of God, this will not be a crisis that defeats us. This is a crisis that God can use for his purposes. This can be, and I believe by the grace of God, I predict it will be our finest hour. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much that we have you as an anchor in the middle of the storm. The, the earliest Christian symbol was actually not the cross. 
The earliest symbol of Christianity was the anchor. That's what the early Christians used first as a symbol for their movement, for their faith. Uh, they, they, were, uh, they had it as an anchor, that you are our anchor. And in the middle of storms and in the middle of the, the waves getting high and, and, and buffeting us and, and, and tossing us around and making us feel unstable, you were the anchor in the middle of all that. And so, Lord, I pray that you will be our anchor in the storm, that you will show us how to uh, help other people to find you as their anchor in the storm. I pray that we will serve you uh, and do unto others as you have done to us, love others as you have loved us as an anchor in the storm. And as the waves seem to be tossing right now, and as the storm increases, Lord, help us to drop our anchor firmly in you in the middle of this storm. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And wherever you're watching or listening to this, all God's family say amen.